This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Happy Easter, Eric Shaw Quinn. Uh, happy Easter, Christopher. Is it Easter? Is this our I don't Easter think episode? So. Maybe. I think uh, it's our Easter episode. I think it's Orthodox Easter. Well, it's actually the Sunday when it premieres. So I think it's the post Easter show. This is the Easter wrap up show. The, 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 this is the Inside Easter episode. Inside Easter. So our Easter eggs are really Easter eggs. Ha 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 Dad jokes all hour long. Listen. Yeah. We, so it Linda. was Linda. Listen, Linda. It was not easy. Wonder what that little boy is doing today. He's probably twenty years old by now. Listen, you just reminded me of something. What? You know. You know what? I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna back off that point. But you know, I feel like people thought Honey Boo Boo was gonna turn out worse than she did. I think she's okay. I checked in with her recently. It's, it may be too early to call. I, I'm just gonna say everybody <laughs> thought she was gonna be on a poll. As if there's something wrong with that, you sex phobic assholes. Right. But everyone thought she's gonna be on a poll really young. But she's she's got a personality, and I think she the I, she did. She's waiting for them to build a big enough poll. She did eat those Cheetos off of a treadmill. Mill on the last episode. That was very inventive. Of that show. But that was something I've always wanted to do myself. Clever and inventive. It was very, uh, I love Lucy. 
Um, none of this has anything to do with Easter, but you just you made me think of it when you made that comment about where the Listen Linda boy is. If you don't remember, it was this adorable YouTube video. We had it as a hotkey on our former Loved podcast. Is he's it's like this three year old lecturing his mom the way or trying to lecture his mom the way. She lectures. Well, she's him. trying to discipline him. I think yeah. about something he's done, and he's like, "Listen, Linda, Linda, listen." I'm honey, telling you, it's honey. like, yeah, he sounds like this yeah. middle-aged man. Yeah, totally. Trying to talk his way around her, and she's filming him because it's so outrageously funny. Yeah. So, um, so now every time he says "listen," I think of "listen, Linda." Listen, Linda. Okay, here's the deal, though. Let's focus. Yeah. Okay. What's let's the focus. deal? Yeah. Let's get serious here, Christopher. Because we we're do, very serious people. we do something on our Facebook page called the Wednesday Question. Or we occasionally do it when I don't forget to do it. Excuse me, when Shea Butters, our manservant to the TDPS network, when he doesn't forget because Angelina Farmer reminded him <laughs> by private message. Thank you, Angelina. We love you. It's great that you remind Thanks us. Thanks for keeping Shay on his toes. And um, every now and then we do an episode built around one of our Wednesday questions because we get a lot of really wonderful answers from our party people. And if you have never gone to our Facebook page, that's where we congregate with you guys by way of Shay, air quotes. Um, so Easter is a weird holiday if you're not religious. And Eric has a very unique take so on Shay Ergwitz, like ironic Shay, like no, well, you know so Shay is the voice of TDPS. I if see. You will. Okay. Yes, Shay, and I've just made it clear since Angelina Farmer needs to remind me to do the post that I may have more pull over Shay than most well, people realize. Well, he is our um, faithful manservant, so mm -hmm. yeah. He's a criminal, and we should fire him. He steals silver and I China just think out of the pantry. Pick, pick, pick. The people pick, we hire pick, around pick. here, I please. think you look the other way if they're British, and I think that's the problem. You're, what's the opposite of bigoted towards country? Well, I think a, we should have a, 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 country. a blue ribbon committee chaired by Jordan Ampersand. Don't you bring Jordan Ampersand into this. He hasn't done anything to you for a year. <laughs> Leave Jordan Ampersand alone. <laughs> That's because I've had him barred from coming in here during the quarantine. Yeah, totally. Um, maybe he didn't survive COVID. We should check in on him. Oh, I think he'll be just fine. He's like Cher and cockroaches. There's no getting rid of, of <laughs> Jordan Ampersand. Okay, let's focus, though, Eric Shaw Quinn. You're always all over the place with this tomfoolery and shit. I just feel terrible about it, too. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure all of the party people are just so unhappy that we're not more focused with they tune into our podcast because recent you that's what they're looking for i'm just gonna for start. this laser focused i'm uh, just looking direction on life after death okay you spoiled the topic of the show i was setting you up to tell your story about so recently you caused um oh my god you you had cause to remember a little movie that people call the, the passion, passion of, of the, the christ, christ. yes it was really yeah it was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. It was watching a man tortured for two hours. If you're into that sort of thing, well, knock yourself out. I, yeah. It was such a hit that I felt like I should see it, and then I really wished that I hadn't. I think mm -hmm. the actor who played the part is actually permanently scarred from, Jim some, of the, yeah, from mm -hmm. some of the uh, torture gone wrong. From yeah. the, It was torture. It was just watching somebody tortured for yeah. two hours. I, Horrifying. Um and it did not include any resurrection. It was just the torture and murder of that man. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so it was a huge hit when it came out. And it was a hit week after week after week. And I always found a sort of, because I'm this sort of twisted guy, perverse delight in the fact that 
the thing that pushed Passion of the Christ off the number one slot um, at the movies, at the box office, was um, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> Which was just like, okay, well, there it is. Mm-hmm. That's that's what follows. First you have crucifixion and then you have resurrection. So mm-hmm. can't have one without the other. I guess this was the inevitable outcome. But yeah, I just thought that was really funny. Yeah. In a dark, dark sort of way. But it wasn't any darker than that Passion of the Christ movie. That movie I is, never that movie watched is, oh, it. Do not. I don't yeah. recommend it. If you're not up to it, you might as well see Saw oh, as Jesus. watch that. Yeah. It was horrible. Uh, you were not alone in saying Beautifully that. Beautifully done. It was yeah. gorgeous, yeah. but it was horrible to look at. I, God. Well, we don't want to talk about The Passion of the Christ any Ever. longer than it took for Eric to tell that amusing story. But <laughs> we asked you on the Facebook page, what do you think comes next? Is this all there is? And not just on of the dead wise. We mean. Exactly. And your own personal experience. And, you know, we all live our life and we all have to come to some sense of my favorite topic in the world is what is the nature of life? I love any discussion of that. It's the reason I love the Matrix movies. Mm-hmm. There's a movie called The 13th Floor, which I think touches on it in an interesting way. There's a, uh, what is that movie called? Oh, my goodness. Um, existence. It's mm. Existence with Jennifer Jason Lee, the David Cronenberg film. It's, the, it's a more sort of... It's a murkier thing, but it's the same sort of thing. Is this, what is the nature of my reality? We are having this experience of being alive. Mm-hmm. And is this the whole experience or is this a part of the experience? I think scientifically we're at a place where we can see, if we choose, that this can't be the whole experience. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I am seeming to see, but... I'm not actually seeing what's really going on around me. Talk more about that, because I understand your your belief around the physics of that. But, I loved, yeah. like, one of the things I loved about The Matrix mm-hmm. was the part where Neo sees the code, which to me this is This is a in way the of, first Matrix movie. This is movie. in the first yeah. Matrix, movie, Matrix movie, and if you haven't seen it, it doesn't really, it's not, you don't have to, have to understand what I'm saying. We are surrounded by what it seems to be life and everything happening around us, but it's all made of atoms and molecules that we cannot see or perceive because they are way beneath our ability to notice everything is made out of the same stuff. So it's all actually identical. Mm -hmm. And the air in between you and me is still made out of the same stuff. So even the sense that there is space in between us is an illusion that's being created by my inability to see most of what's actually going on around me mm-hmm. um, because of, I always call it the, the stereoptigan that I'm looking through. My body, my my me mm-hmm. is in this body, and this body limits what I can see and experience to such a degree that I appear to be having this experience of being alive. Mm-hmm. But scientifically, I know that there is an enormous amount going on around me all the time that I can't, that I'm not even aware of. Then I can't see all the bacteria crawling all over mm-hmm. me or all of the anything. Like most of everything that's happening around me is beyond my ability to even see. And that suggests to me the possibility that if most of life is actually an illusion, mm-hmm. scientifically an illusion that's being produced by my body, then what does that 
say mm-hmm. for the possibilities of something beyond this experience. I guess I'm sort of like tipping my hand as to where I come mm-hmm. down in answer to this question. I don't know that I have an answer. I don't think it's, you know, angel wings and sitting on clouds and playing harps. I, I don't think it's that. That's your apartment down that's here my, on that, Earth. That's yeah. actually my apartment, yes. Right. Um, the, I do love me some angels and You cherubs. have a lot of angels. I didn't make the joke randomly. Yeah, no, it is really, that is yeah. really true. My a lot of cherubs Filled in your with apartment. cherubs in that apartment. It's golden cherubs playing harps. A lot of harps. It's like a Versace daycare. <laughs> very much. <laughs> um, very much. But... Um, but it does suggest the possibility of some other level of awareness mm-hmm. that is a step further back from this one. This is like the way that I see into this thing that we call life, but where am I seeing it from right. is my question. And that to me is suggested by the science of it mm-hmm. as much as anything. Like I, I don't see how I could possibly not believe in Something beyond this, whatever it turns out to be, I have no idea. And I certainly don't think it's, you know, some tale that involves a guy with a hammer or the sun flying on a chariot around the sky. Why don't you? Like I, because those seems, those things are an attempt to explain the existence of life. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is bigger than that. You're saying that you cannot explain the existence of life based on what you can see because what we can see as individual humans is too limited. And is already an illusion. Uh-huh. So, like, none of that would be the—that can't be the origin. I can't explain the the, the experience of being on um, Space Mountain in terms of Space Mountain. I have mm-hmm. to explain it in terms of the engineering that went into building Space Mountain to create the illusion. And right. that doesn't exist at Space Mountain. That's somewhere else. And that's what I'm talking about. Which means, and just to clarify for people who are not as smart as you, which describes a lot of people, um, <laughs> riding Space Mountain once does not tell you how Space Mountain was built. You have to have the schematics and the blueprints and whatever. And so what you're saying is that living a life doesn't tell you how life is built. Right. You have to, okay. And it doesn't even seem to be a part of the experience. Right. I think it's also very freeing. I think that people spend a lot of time trying to understand the point of life, and I think life is the point of life. Having the experience of walking on earth. It's the opposite of what many religious people believe, which is that there needs to be some level of self-denial on this plane of existence to improve your experience on a higher plane And of that seems to me to be, like, such a waste of time. It's like, those are the people who believe that God created everything and then didn't like most of it. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of jerk would that be? I'm sorry, yeah. I can't believe in that very, with much conviction on yeah. my part. It just, that, that suggests a, a level of judgment about life. Life is to have the experience of life. I think that... I'm very taken with notions of um, that religion suggests of morality and how we treat each other. And I think those are really important mm-hmm. components of imbuing our own life. I feel much better based on treating other people better. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that is implicit in the experience. That may be something that whoever designed the experience, maybe it was me, you know, intended for me to have as a result of this experience. But, but yeah, seeing it as some sort of like form of like your jo- your job in life is not to have the experience of being alive is like, well, that seems 
Mm-hmm. Counterproductive. Let's see what some of our party people had to say. Rob Casey says this, I have an unwavering faith, but I'm not religious. I had a near-death experience as a teenager. I experienced huh. something outside of my physical existence. It was brief, but time, distance, vision, and sound were not what we experience in our bodies. That's heavy. Right. It's been nearly, that's what I'm, that's yeah. at the heart of what I'm saying. It's been nearly 30 years, he says, and I cannot find the right words to explain my experience. I was in a coma for several weeks. When I came to, my mom said I thanked her for loving me back to life. I'd say my faith is love. I think our souls continue to exist in some way after we're done with our current form. I'd like to think we get to keep learning and experiencing. I'm certain we get to keep loving. That's quite beautiful, Rob. That is beautiful. Um, near-death experiences are... You've obviously never had one. You would have I told haven't. Me. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've told everyone. But, yeah, I, but I think they are at the heart of what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that your consciousness is not invested in... This meat puppet. Yeah. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Diving back into the responses of from our party people to our Wednesday question, this is Janet Avery. Every, excuse me, she says, I'm sure there's something, but I don't think it will resemble life as we know it at all. We shed our human body, and I believe we shed all likeness to the human form, too. I mean no angels with wings and stuff. It's like she's quoting you from right. earlier. More of a cosmic energy, spiritual, not religious, but spiritual. just my belief at this point in my life, and if you believe differently, I respect that. Everyone's opinion is valid since we can't really know. But I think again, much of what you've been saying, and she's touching on the same kinds of things. Energy is not is never lost. It is it moves around, but it doesn't go away. Yeah, it's not expended. We're made of stars. Like the whole universe is made of stuff that existed before. Like Mm -hmm. everything is made of everything else. So you. It, it would defy logic that you just, that all of this energy that is you just ceases to exist in any form. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it is logic. It certainly makes sense to say it might be a very different form, mm-hmm. but it would still, why wouldn't it still exist? So this is Amanda Sebastian Carrier, and I think this is it's similar to what we're saying, but she goes in a different direction. She says, I believe that our bodies and our corporal identity stops when we die. There is nothing more for the me that exists here and now. I also believe the thing I call me has been developed from an all-inclusive energy. I am one little spark of it living out a human existence, and that spark will return to the original source. Interesting. What happens from there, me, doesn't know, but that spark does. 
That's why I'm not afraid to live, to love, and to laugh. Well, that's actually quite similar to what we've been saying. I thought you, yeah. That's beautiful. And I'm taken with people who have the very sort of traditional view. Mm-hmm. You know, the, um, the, he, Jesus was nailed to the cross and on the third day he yeah. arose to sit at the right hand of God the Father. You know, like, that's interesting. I'm always interested, why do you, what about that story makes you believe that? There's something about that story that, regardless of how you may feel about the rest of it, says the same thing, which is this is not, all that we are seeing is not all that there is. Absolutely. Yeah. I am not my body is yeah, what that I'm story says body. to me. Right. That story completely says that to me. But that's – and I think organized religion doesn't take that away. They come up with all that other hideous stuff that mm-hmm. I really strenuously disagree with. But to have the actual innocent human belief that, yes, this is the the entity that came here, whatever God might be, to – let me know that I am not my body and that there is more to this existence than than just the um, smelly, dirty, mm-hmm. rather brutish, dark and short right. existence that much of life can be. Wade Regina adds a bit of humor to the conversation. I'm really hoping for that eternal rest thing. <laughs> Yeah, rest sounds great. Right? I'm all in for that. Especially after these last two years. I think we all want some yeah, rest. but not exhausting. Uh, yeah. Brad Shreve is on the opposite end of the spectrum. He says, I don't think there's anything beyond death. Our circuit's shut down, and that's it. Gone. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm the only way to know is when it happens. Yeah. The sad thing about that scenario is if I'm right, I'll never know I was. Yeah. But neither of us will, ne- like, we'll never know either way. Like, yeah. We're both going, what about you, Christopher? I don't like, you don't like my answer, so I'm always hesitant to bring it up. You are not a fan of my answer, which is I believe that we come back. I believe that one time through is not enough. Oh, that's not the same as me not being liking your answer. Yeah. I hope there's no. You don't want to come back. I don't want to come back. (laughs) I don't like the way people treat each other. I don't like the way this life unfolds. I've come to accept it, but I'm not fond of it. But that's my response to the. I think it's actually a pretty likely and logical scenario. Yeah. Like if this is a game we're all playing together, then I might well come back in as another player in this particular existence. It really does make sense. I just don't like this game. I had a religious experience watching the movie Cloud Atlas for the first time. God, I love that movie. And I really, because it was one of those of like, this is what I believe. This is absolutely what I believe. Because you realize, and I don't know if this is in the book, I need to read the book, but because they have multiple actors, excuse me, the same actors playing roles across time, you're given the impression that this is this person being reborn in a vaguely karmic way and learning their experiences deepening across centuries, right? But it's right. one individual passing through, or one entity, I guess I should say, passing through the human experience again and again, but on one continuous journey. Yeah. Also, what dreams may come is another mm, of my favorite mm-hmm. kind of yeah. views of that. The evolution of a soul. In many ways, Memnock the Devil talked about it that mm. way. That sense of souls evolving and becoming yeah. and over time and over experience. Tommy Ann Elquist Gunther says, after much contemplation, I believe there are many dimensions all happening at the same time. This is another thing. That totally I'm believe that. I think we move from this one to another one when we are finished with this one. I think the time will come That's when I say, okay, I am done here. It is time to experience a whole new set of experiences. It will be like taking a trip 
only in soul form alone. Also similar That's to really, yeah, yeah, I really like that. Like, yeah. yes, if you, a different version of the same game, that might be a really interesting thing to, what if I played this part, but in a different dimension where the outcomes and possibilities mm-hmm. were changed slightly with the sliding doors thing of yeah. like, okay, so what if instead of this, that, but also like what it, that idea, this is a little glib and maybe childish, but that idea when someone dies in what seems to be in a terribly untimely way, have they been called urgently to another dimension? There's one thing to say, Oh God called her to heaven or whatever. No, like they were needed on this project in a dimension. You maybe. don't understand. Maybe. But I mean, that argument starts to get into this idea that there's a finite number of souls in the universe which seems, given the vastness of the universe, like a strange idea. Like, why would there be a limited pot of human souls? I, th- the biggest challenge for me about all of those different versions is it still doesn't step back. Mm-hmm. It really stays at the same level. Right. It's like, what is, where is the origin of the me that is me? Mm-hmm. You know, this, that's peering through my eyes now as Eric where is it peering from? Yeah. Because if I just go and peer in a different dimension or if I come back and peer here, where was I prior to peering? Mm-hmm. Where am I peering from? From which place? It is clear to me that it is not from from here. This doesn't seem to contain it or even kind of relate to it very much. But yeah. That That's the biggest challenge for me about those is that it doesn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. I can certainly see continuing to peek in from di- through different keyholes, right. but what is on the other side of the door is the bigger question to me. That that gets back to the nature of life question. What is the nature of life? Mark McNeese says this, I live a God-free life and find reasons to appreciate it every day. When I die, I will flicker out and be gone, and I have no need to believe otherwise. It doesn't bother me. Someday the sun will supernova and all human history will be as if it never was. Be at peace with it. And be a good person because it is the thing to be, not because some supernatural being demands it or as some kind of ticket to heaven. The word of God is written on the heart. Find it there. Well, that's a lovely notion. And yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying is like just I do find those notions. Those are the only notions in organized religion that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. The sense of ethics and decency, the love one another kinds of ideas because – why? Because you feel better about being alive mm-hmm. if you live your life that way. But if you can only feel good about people who look like you and sound like you and act like you and yeah, totally. love like you, well, then you're just then your religion has become a a means of justifying your hatred. Yes, and that that's when it goes wrong. Edwin Joffman Jr. has this to say: Everything in the universe is connected. I believe that we cannot conceive of how life transitions from this plane of existence to whatever comes next. I do know when I lay dying in the ER with no blood pressure and no pulse, and I was making my confession to the universe, I felt a warm embrace around my whole body, composed of what felt like peace and love. I lived. The ER doctors and nurses commented that it was a miracle. I don't know what the embrace was, but I believe it was the entity some call God, or a God, or as I refer to it, the universe." The next time I feel that embrace, I believe, shall be when my essence is collected into whatever embraced me in the ER. Jung called it the collective unconscious. Yes. Mm. That's, the, that's the other side of the door question right. that I'm 
that I keep that teases me, you know, like where am I, where am I having this? What is my point of origin? Mm -hmm. This can't be it. Yeah. You know, like where were we before we were born? Yeah. Like, okay, so where are we? Like, to me, that's the same question. Like, Mm -hmm. where was I before I was born is the same question as where am I going after I die? Right. Veronica Castro says that, yes, I do believe that there is something after. There are many testimonies of near-death experiences, and they all agree that there is an afterlife. Yeah, we've had two of them here on this thread on our Facebook page, Rob and Edwin. Uh, Both have had what they call an NDE in the study of these phenomenons. Phenomena. Who are they? Near-death experience. It stands for no. What you said? What they call? Um, they are. You know, I have a book. Co- drink. I'm making NDE, it about me. NDEs. Um, exactly. <laughs> NDE PhDs. Right. <laughs> I have a book coming out in May after about a month after we record this called Decimate, which is my attempt to write a thriller about near-death experiences. Oh, fun. And when my mother found out I was doing it, she was so obsessed with this topic, near-death experiences specifically, that, I mean, every week a new stack of books would arrive that she would send me. And, you know... I have them all now on like a special shelf in my in my bathroom bookstore, which you named for me. Right. Um, and this it, it's it's an, a weird. They make for weird reading, but this is they make for not great reading. But here's why: they're so consistent. Just as we saw with like Edwin's story and Rob's story, they are so consistent. So it's not fascinating because it, it's well, just it's not it's, repetition, right? It's just but the same story. That's over and over what again. makes it become so convincing that these people in different circumstances, all over the world, on uh, different traumas, different accidents, whatever, all had these similar experiences with these common themes. What is it? It is a sense of being embraced by something warm and loving. And the sense of being given a choice about whether or not to come back or being told that it's not your time yet, you know, that they encounter people that they have known and loved, um, but that that is, I only ever saw one person, this was on a show on Netflix, I believe called Life After Death or something like that, Uh where she was really disturbed by the experience. She felt like she needed more answers, that it didn't give her enough. And this woman was really upset by what she went through. But the vast majority of people you read, it it gives them perspective. It takes away what they see as needless urgency around petty things. It gives them a sense that there is something beyond the door. Right. And that it is almost never fearsome or hostile. That's the thing. It's yeah. never the fires of... I, I don't know of any, any of these experiences that say they saw the fires of hell. Oh, yeah. That's... You know... Like that's again, that yeah. goes back to that taking this very basic kind of human experience and turning it into that justification for hatred. And well, right. And, 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 and uh, I've heard some people summarize your attitude about some of this is this must be hell. Like the limitations that we experience, the loss we experience in this realm, this is probably hell. <laughs> if, if it's going to be, yeah. yeah, this is very likely to be closer because that's and that informs my belief about not wanting there to be reincarnation because this is not an experience I would want to repeat. I'm having a great time because I'm making the best of it. Not because this is a great time. Right, yeah. Like that has not been the way this has unfolded. And I really am not anxious to 
repeat this. Would you know what? It's the Matrix line. Make me somebody really important. I know. Time. I yeah. mean, you're very important, but may, yeah, you no. know, bring me back as Channing Tatum, maybe and maybe you'll have a better be, time. Go on the Brad Pitt ride. Yeah, that'll yeah. be like fine, like whatever. But um, but yeah, I've not. I've, I like I say, I've enjoyed it, but it's not a. I would not choose it. <laughs> I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. The question was, what do you think comes next? Is this all there is? Lisa Gazillo had this to say, I believe in God and an afterlife. There isn't any way that I can conceive what it would look or be like, or if it is even the final step in our soul's journey. There could be more to do or learn, or it could be a stage of love and true peace. I think it's going to be different for everyone, but I definitely believe we are all going to experience something. I have a copy of the book Journey into Darkness by Howard Storm that Anne Rice wrote the intro for, and I found his experience frightening, fascinating, and hopeful all at once. I highly recommend it. It opens up another topic of near-death experience as well, a topic that is close to me as my mother has had an experience when she had an aneurysm. Perhaps you can touch on those experiences in the podcast as well. I believe we have. Thanks yes, also to the other people who have weighed in with their own experiences with NDEs. Yeah, I'm very yeah. fascinated. Maybe we should ask about that for next time because that really is a really fascinating topic for me, having people who, you know, hearing from people who've actually had those kinds of experiences. Yeah. Um, I was remembering after we talked about it in the last segment, there are darker prophetic visions that people experience. They'll say they've come... There are there are people who had NDEs about a giant earthquake. Or they, they come oh. back saying that they saw sort of glimpses of the future. My belief about all of those, and I think the thing that I kind of explore in my book, is that you come back remembering only a thimble of what really happened. Like, I think it goes to your argument about there being 
so much more that we could see than we're able to able to process with our human consciousness. Right. This is what I've always been told about dreams. Right. That you you experience your dream as a narrative because in the moments that you wake up, your brain assembles what is essentially a random jumble of images that your, your subconscious has been kicking up while you were asleep into a narrative very quickly in those moments of waking. Because when you are asleep, you are deprived of the moment-to-moment -moment sensory input that gives you a sense of the passage of time. So you don't actually have the ability to perceive of a chronological narrative with a sleeping brain. So it's hastily assembled in your moments of awakening. And I think a similar thing could potentially be happening with near-death experiences. Like you're remembering only the little pieces of it you can process right before you come back to us. As opposed to having plunged or into an alternate Or you're remembering dimension. it in the way that you can conceive of it. Mm-hmm. Like you remember exactly. I think in, that's another way of saying what I just said. Yeah. In terms of this experience, yeah, because this is the only way we understand experience. We experience life temporally and spatially. Yes, like that's the only way we can understand it. And so that would be the way. If you were going to communicate with one of us, you'd have to communicate. But that isn't necessarily the way that. That isn't the only way of perception. I'll say that. And that. I, I think I'm going to spoil the movie, but it's a pretty old movie. So if you haven't seen Contact with Jodie Foster, oh, yeah. turn off the podcast or pause it or fast forward at 30 seconds. That My mom saw that movie and said, this movie is about near-death experiences. That's really what it is because she goes through this um, star device. It's supposed to be a transport device that's received right. through transmission from an alien, alien star system. About how to... Right. And then we put it together. We build it on Earth. She goes through it, and she has this experience where she encounters her father on this beach in Pensacola, and he says, we appeared to you in this way because this is how you were able to perceive right. it. Right. And everybody who saw the movie said, oh, this is a cop-out. I'm like, no, it's actually a spiritual principle, I think. Yeah. You know, it and, makes and a sense. Philosophical principle. Like if you had to totally re-understand everything in order to understand the message, then it's not really a message anymore. It's mm -hmm. an entirely new life. Yeah. I think that... It, I'm not the biggest fan of that movie for a lot of reasons, but um, but that part of it really did capture me. I did think that yeah. was very, if you're going to have that experience. And yeah, I guess it is kind of, you can make a case for it being about a near-death experience or about experience. Like, I think a lot of what people perceive as alien encounters are overlaps of other temporal or dimensional mm -hmm. um, human experiences. It's mm -hmm. us. It's not actually aliens. It's us from another time or another dimension slipping through. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Do, do you believe in, like, the dark city thing where we're being manipulated when we can't see the extent to which we're being manipulated well, by other dimensions? That's the thing that I think is so fascinating. Like, all of those things could be taking place simultaneously using the same atoms and molecules that are actually make us up. Yeah. You know, like, so why not? Chance Apollo has this to say, and he touches briefly on religion, which is why I thought we should bring him in. I grew up believing oh, in the Southern Baptist flavor of Christian heaven and hell. Then in my early 20s, I got heavily involved in New Age spirituality and paganism and believed in reincarnation and some pagan version of an afterlife for in-between incarnations and or after all incarnations. 
Now I'm sort of an agnostic atheist, and I find the idea of oblivion to be the most likely thing to happen, and honestly, it's somewhat comforting. Okay. I guess that's all right. Well, I mean, it's the same point somebody made earlier. Uh, it will never make any difference to me. Right, like, yeah. There is, no, there is no reason to be comforted or discomforted by it. Death is a natural part of life, and either there will be something after it or there won't, and I will never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I won't exist at that point. I will have either transisted to another experience or all experience will have stopped. And I, either way, I won't know about it. Yeah. I mean, I guess I might have knowledge of this existence in the next round. I, I don't, like I say, I don't know how this works. But I think also this Beth Murphy Saluga's answer. She says, I'm waiting to be reunited with my mom who died when I was four. That's a big thing for people. Like, I love that idea. Yeah, is there a reunion that's, you know, I, you know. I love that idea. I think that could be a really interesting, but I think we conceive of it in the way that we can conceive of things. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, maybe it'll be like a family reunion or maybe our spirits will be reunited in the same collective, the collective right. way that I yeah. can feel them and relate to them without needing to be in this same form. The illusion of separateness collapses. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, man, heavy. Yeah. This is heavy stuff. But this, this was, was my idea. Christopher's choice. Yeah. But I think that it, to me it makes sense, particularly at this moment. Like, it's Easter, sure, but we have certainly been through yeah. the process of letting go of somebody really important to mm -hmm. us. And so that always increases my own awareness of my yeah. own mortality. Absolutely. But, and uh, there's also, you know, the surrender of ego. Like, if you're a very ambitious person— which Anne was, which I am, which you are. Yes. Um, there is the sense, if there's not an ability to manipulate this plane of reality from the beyond, be it through a haunting or something maybe more innocuous sounding which than that. Which wouldn't that be fun? Your ability to carry out human accomplishments is at an end. You will not write any more books. You will not leave behind anything that humans pour over. That's where I think a lot of the sadness comes from, but I think that's also where you realize that the passage into the next realm is about the surrender of this thing we call ego, which is the engine of separateness that we all experience. Very possibly. Yeah, I mean, that's a very complicated way of saying my mother's never going to write another book. I suppose you know? so. Yeah. I don't, like, again, I don't really have any comprehension of the nature of this existence, so those kinds of absolutes, I don't even really include. Right. Because there's so little way to um, to understand them. I, I read a book once about angels that I think was written in, like, Victorian mm. era. Mm -hmm. And it was written with the kind of authority that that ridiculous um, science show that we watched about people on the moon mm -hmm. where they just say things as though yeah. obviously this is true. Like, <laughs> obviously like, the Nephilimer in the films. Well, they were talking yeah. about, yes, it was, it was speaking very, in a very such a Victorian way, mm -hmm. about the levels of organization and yeah. who's next and the rankings and yeah. who's higher and lower and how what moves from here and what are the... And I was like, this is really specific mm -hmm. for something about which you have absolutely no information or any way of knowing angels may exist in all of those forms and in all of those ranks but 
the idea that anybody would know it is right. kind of amusing to me. Like, yeah, that's not a thing. And you why would, would we know. need to? Like, that's the other thing. Why would we need to know it? We don't. It was unless we are fleshing out our continuing yeah. adherence to a particular um, fairy tale. There was a, an episode of um, Star Trek, the original Star Trek, mm. where some one of the other Star Trek people in one of the other ships has inadvertently left huge star trek fan here they've clearly le- they've left a pot well i'm not a trekkie but yeah. i have watched all of the episodes more than once probably yeah. they inadvertently left um a, a, an old pot boiler gangster novel mm-hmm. on this planet yeah um and they're supposed to not interfere, but the people on the planet have found it and have chosen it as their uh-huh. how to build their life. So they go back yeah. to visit this culture, and it is completely evolved into this sort of yeah. gangster culture. It's all like some 1920s prohibitionary, mm-hmm. uh, prohibition era um, movie, James Cagney movie. Yeah. Um, is the way that people are living their lives because they've never. Yeah. Because that's they've come to believe in that story mm-hmm. as the way that life has to be lived, which I think is very indicative of the human condition. I It's always stuck with me because I think we are kind of like that as a species. Mm-hmm. Like everything we do is a construct. Everything we right. do is something we've come to believe in, like yeah. houses and cars and private energy. You know, like a lot of the stuff that we do is based on the way we do it and not on the necessity of our doing it in this way. But tell me this, tell me this, tell me yes. this. Okay, answer me this. You can't tell me this because it's a weird open-ended question. Where does this concept of giant people come from? Like giant people, do you think it's just a childhood thing? The idea that the gods would be giants who live on a mountain. The idea, you, do you think it's just sprung from being infants and having the adults of our lives being so much bigger than us? Do you mean in in terms of um, of legend or in terms of All personal of belief? I, in terms of legend, in terms of Greek mythology and Roman mythology and, the, you know, the perceptions of Yahweh, Old Testament mythology. I think a lot of the, for me, a lot of those things seem to be early forms of science, mm-hmm. an attempt to explain an experience. I try to imagine what the world must have felt like 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Like, complete darkness at sunset. Right. Like, absolutely, there's no other, like, maybe a little fire, but that's as much as you've got going on. Storms that seem to come out of nowhere, seasons and earthquakes and all of everything is a complete mystery, constant source of surprise and a threat. Mm -hmm. Like, it is a very violent, dangerous, brutish, short and dark, Mm -hmm. you know, describes most of what life was for most of human experience. And I think along the way, we have found these stories of, you know, the the chariot with flying across the sky every right. day with the sun in the back of it to mm-hmm. light our way or Persephone being carried off to Hades to, you know, for six months of the year as a, as a custody arrangement um, so that we have seasons. And, right. You know, all of those things are ways of using those giants, those But it's, it's all an creatures. attempt to explain it in terms of human personalities, right? Like right. you're saying. Yeah. Because the only thing we had was us. Right. So, like, 
it's probably truer that we made God in our image than the other way around. It, it may it, be that we were made in God's image, but it doesn't seem likely. It's hard. It would be smarter. It's hard for me to believe it's not an experiment, right? That when you look at the evolution of human skills and knowledge, it's hard for me not to believe that we were dropped here by some greater force to see what we become. It's just hard for me. That's that's usually where, and yeah. and my reincarnation belief plays into that because we're feed, we're constantly feeding the experiment, right? To we're me, returning. it seems like a game. Yeah, or like a game, right? Like yeah. to me, that seems more likely as the experiment. But it could very well. It could also be an experiment. One explanation that I heard once that I've often thought of, like, is that we are all different parts of the same personality examining. Yes. The experience yes, from a absolutely. thousand different points of view. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, or billions of different points of view mm -hmm. all at once, which would yeah. really be, that would be an and impressive that's, God. That's like the image that I believe is at the end of the third Matrix movie when Neo finally goes before the source and it is composed of all those little, it's this godlike face, but it's composed of all these little moving, right. you know, eyes. I think, I don't know. Like those yeah. amazing drone. Yeah. Drone yeah. uh, sculptures that they do at the um, yes. the Olympics and stuff. It's all the drones come together to yeah. compose an image. Yes. Yes. I guess that is, yeah, that's a, a, yeah. a nice sort of visual representation of, of what I'm talking about. And even that would be exponentially increased if you considered that, you know, that God is looking mm -hmm. through everybody's eyes on Earth right. all exactly. at once, all at the same time. To experience all of the different things that we are experiencing yeah. all together, that would be a hell of an experiment and a very advanced being mm -hmm. indeed exactly. to be able to process that level of information. But I, I always say one of the most amazing things about life is that despite how many of us there are, we are all having a completely unique experience of almost identical circumstances. I, I, I have to say that phenomenal. as much shit as it gets for various reasons, many of them warranted, that is the discovery of social media, is that we are all... Everybody Everybody phrases that as, oh, we're so divided. And it's like, yeah, okay, we are, maybe. But what you're seeing is you're having direct... Direct is the wrong word. You're having engagement with people who are having a completely different experience of this realm of reality than you are. And you can fight with them and you can hate them and you can you can be bigoted towards them or you can stand back and look and be like, wow, the world is really varied and our experiences are really varied, right? You know? Right. Yeah. Or our interpretations of our experience interpretations, are exactly. really varied. You right. know, like, I think that's the part that, that strikes me is, is that largely a lot of us are having very similar. Like everybody in Los Angeles is having sort of the same experience. We're all here together. Some of us are in mansions. Some of us are in right. trailer parks. But right. we're all still here and we're all kind of – but we're all having a completely unique version of that experience, mm -hmm. which is which is amazing to me. Yeah. That's really – that's awe-inspiring. Yeah. You know, that's very divine. Whoa, man! I think this is gonna be this is gonna be one of our whoa, man episodes. I guess so. Whoa, man! I whoa, love, yeah. man! Whoa, man! I'm, at least we weren't talking about Peter Nygaard. Leave him in last oh week's my episode. God, Jesus what Christ! What a dreadful, yes, Horrible. But another, you know, soul coming through and saying, "Well, let's experience this as the very soul, you know, the devil himself." I mean, the devil himself. It, it, that's the yeah. What if the devil was just free and running the earth? Like, yeah. That seems to have been his choice and, you know, his character 
I don't know, his avatar, whatever. Oh, God. However he's playing this game or Unbelievable. conducting this experiment. Unbelievable. Well, um, we we don't we didn't program the next episode, so it's going to be a surprise next week. You're well, going to be I surprised. It'll be True Crime TV Club. It will be True Crime TV Club, but the crime will be a surprise crime. <laughs> so a surprise crime. A surprise next crime. Week, the, everybody's least favorite guy. The laziest. I mean, but kind of isn't that really always the case? As isn't a, it always a surprise? Unless somebody's I mean, involved I, in I, a racketeering I, conspiracy. Unless yeah. you're perpetrating the crime, in which right. case you may have been planning it for years. But yeah, totally. Ultimately, uh, the the. The crime part is actually the surprise. Well, happy Orthodox everybody. Easter, Eric Shawquin. <laughs> well, it is really, yes. It is Would we know it. about half of these holidays if we were not, um, if we didn't have iCal telling us that it was like, you know, Arbor Day and Flag Day and Earth Day? I wouldn't know about these things. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, education in all its forms is... <laughs> Constantly revelatory. I just, yeah, it's amazing, All isn't right. it? All right, you, we've gone as far as we can go today, clearly. Uh, do you think so? Yeah. <laughs> We're exhausted. But thanks to everyone who responded. We do yeah. the Wednesday question every Wednesday, but we don't always build an episode around it unless the answers are as fascinating as these were. And these really were. Thank you guys for, for chipping in. This is just really not only something that's up for us a bunch recently, yeah. but always one of the most fascinating conversations. One of the things that I enjoyed talking with Anne Bryce about I know. back in the day was, was this very topic because it's so, because it's so completely open to speculation because we really, the only thing we know for certain is that absolutely none of us know anything about the answer to this question. Um, and I, I have to say, Anne had several brushes with, with death and did not have a near-death experience. And I think that was very disappointing to her. <laughs> I think she really wanted did, a glimpse. You guys used to try and astral project, We used you? to try to astral project, and then my father would come in and say, if you guys do succeed at it, you're going to get caught in the ceiling fan, so knock it off. He didn't believe... My dad did, was a total atheist. He didn't believe in any of that shit. And, um, but we would lie there, and when we couldn't, Mom would narrate an astral projection experience for me, like as a compensation. Right, she was well, the, if we could astral project. Being the author, she and, then scripted it. Right. And I'm lying there saying things like, can we go to Universal Studios and see the Jaws ride? I like Jaws, Jaws, Jaws. I'm obsessed with Jaws. Um, she would be like, okay, we're floating over Universal Studios. There's the Jaws. <laughs> Here's the Jaws ride. And she was like, could you please elevate your cosmic ambitions, please? So, yeah, yeah. The op Christopher Rice, the opposite of letting go. The opposite <laughs> of letting go. That's going to be the name of my spiritual. I'm... Holding on, a spiritual <laughs> memoir by Christopher Rice. Uh, hold fast. Hold fast. Don't let go. <laughs> hold on tight. <laughs> Dig in. Right. Have absolutely. some more caffeine. <laughs> All right. That's that. Thanks to everyone. This was a really wonderful episode. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And uh, you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.